Hello and welcome to Getting Ahead with Apprenticeships, the UCAS Choices podcast designed to give you all the answers about degree apprenticeships so you can decide if it's the right choice for you. I'm Casey Disselton and over the next nine episodes we'll talk to the people in the know about how degree apprenticeships work and if you like the sound of one, how you can make your application stand out. We're also going to chat to experts to get their advice and tips for eight specific industries that offer degree apprenticeships. Today I'm joined by Helen Gould from the University of Strathclyde, Mel Melanie Clark, Head of Early Talent at the Cabinet Office, and Issa Yacoub, a software engineer apprentice at Capgemini, to talk about the differences between degree options and how a degree apprenticeship can lead to a rewarding career. Welcome, everyone. Hello. What an esteemed panel we have here. Lots of knowledge amongst the three of you. So let's get right into it, shall we? How does a degree apprenticeship experience differ to a traditional degree? Because a lot of people might not know. Well, I think the most important thing is that they're both degrees. So they're both from universities. They're both the same qualification. And it is really down to the experience being a bit different. So I think to understand degree apprenticeships and what they offer, it's important to think about a traditional degree. And we work as a university provider, you work very hard to bring practical experience into the classroom and practical examples into the curriculum. So you'll have external speakers, cases, you look for live examples. For an apprenticeship degree, you are basically in a different situation because the learner, the apprentice, is actually in that working environment. So that's a massive advantage educationally. So the way that I would liken the difference in the experiences, the difference between learning Spanish in a classroom in Glasgow and learning Spanish in Madrid. So they're work-based learning degrees, which means that you are connecting the theoretical content that you you learn through that degree curriculum, which is the same as a full-time degree curriculum, but you are constantly embedding that into your practice so that you build an experience of both theoretical uh, curriculum content from the qualification part of it, as well as the practical experience of putting that to work in the actual environment that it's designed around. So it's very much focused on developing you as a professional as well as developing you academically within that degree. Okay, that's really interesting. Sounds really appealing as well, doesn't it? It does. So your apprenticeship, suppose you don't necessarily fully know what the traditional degree experience is, do you? But can, can you tell us what you think the differences are? I'm familiar with it. Yeah. See my family, friends, or went to uni as usual. The key focus for a degree apprenticeship is the actual job mm-hmm. and then the degree um, is like an addition to that, let's say. How much time would you say that you spend studying compared to your friends who are doing the traditional degree experience then? Most people in their uni, um, from my experiences, they, they have a lot of free time as well. There'll be periods like um, with any degree where you're focused on working, um, you know, you might have exam periods and stuff. But um, yeah, in terms of your workload, it's pretty similar. What kind of work do you do as an apprentice then? Uh, so I work in tech. I work for an IT company called um, Capgemini. So um, our focus is on um, technology solutions for clients. We're a big IT consultancy. I started off as a developer, so on the software engineering track. Um, and then recently I've moved over to the tech sales side. So I think within IT especially, there's uh, numerous different roles. You could be doing project management work. You could be doing... Um, sales, you could be doing development work, you could be an architect, um, basically hundreds of different roles. So what's it like being in the workplace as a student? 
it's interesting because um, I guess in the world of work, you're not necessarily treated as like an apprentice or as a junior, um, especially in the company I work in, the culture's um, very good in that sense as if um, you're treated as an equal. But at the same time, um, it can be very intense because obviously um, demands can be quite high, um, especially if um, you know, you're working towards um, certain targets. So um, yeah, I think it can be tough. But I quite like it. it. Kind of gives you a good push. Are you still able to meet people at the university, though? People might be sort of worried that perhaps they won't make friends in the same way if they're doing a, a degree apprenticeship rather than doing a traditional degree. Um, yeah. So when you're on campus and actually just in terms of your status, you're you're a full time student um, in terms of status. Like you have all the same privileges and accesses in terms of um, going on campus and stuff. Um, just from personal experience, I because it was a virtual join due to COVID, um, I didn't really meet as many people, but there's about three or four people from my university that I'm still in touch with and that I probably speak to on a daily basis. I think the thing I'd add is there's been a lot of conversation about the networks and social support through the student experience and the university side. Um, but in the workplace, you also make connections with the people that you're working around. And yes, they are supporting you professionally to develop, but also you make connections with people in the workplace. Some of the best friends I've got outside yeah, of work are people that I used to work with. Yeah. Um, so I think you also do have that connection and um, social experience in the workplace as well. And also important to say that, you know, I worked two, three jobs when I was at university. I lived at home. So even though I was doing a traditional degree, I still worked loads of part-time jobs. I worked in a shop, I worked in an office, and a lot of students do that, don't they? So it's not just people who are doing degree apprenticeships like Issa who are working alongside doing their studying. That's generally something that people do anyway, because you've got to make money. Yeah, absolutely. I did exactly the same as you. I had part-time jobs when I was at university and the difference being that, yes, I gained transferable skills from those part-time jobs that I could talk about in job interviews, but what Issa's gaining is direct on the job related to his professional experience. So yeah. he almost has an advantage in having that work experience that's directly related to his career path as well. So no matter what, whether you're doing the degree apprenticeship or the, the traditional degree route, you've got that balance, haven't you, of balancing work, study, social life, all those things. And it is it can be really difficult in those university years trying to cram all of that in, but everyone's doing it just in a different way. We've all got to do that balance. And Helen, what's it like sort of logistically? How does the experience differ applying for a degree apprenticeship rather than a traditional degree for example do they start at the same time do you do you apply at the same time do you have to be a certain age well they're different because you're applying to the employer so you don't apply directly to a university to do an apprenticeship with them the apprenticeship is between the uh, university and the employer so you are applying for a job where the apprenticeship is a component of that job so when you, you apply directly to become an, a full employee of the organisation um, and there are very strict rules governing apprenticeships to ensure that you have that full experience, you're going to be paid full time. So you are basically progressing with your career as soon as you engage in that apprenticeship. So the company will decide who the provider is and work with a university to deliver that. You spend about 20% of your working week engaged in your, what they call, off-the-job studies. Um, and the remaining 80%, you're fully engaged in the role that you've been employed to do. So it's a balance between those. I, I, I think has, be, has been said, it doesn't necessarily need to be one day a week. Sometimes it's block delivery. 
Um, and there are lots of flexibility in different providers and, and different subjects do it in different ways. But roughly over a year, you'll spend about 20% of your time on direct studies and the rest of your time in, from a, in a normal job engaged through your role for the company. Great. And do you have to be a certain age to apply for a degree apprenticeship? No. From a school leaver to people who are much further on to their, in their career, everyone is eligible to undertake an apprenticeship degree. Great. Thank you very much. I think it's worth adding as well that um, with the degree apprenticeship, because it's a normal job application, you can apply to as many as you like. Um, oh, that's a very interesting distinction. It's, yeah. It's quite a competitive process yeah. um, to get into. Um, but yeah, like I said, second numbers game you can apply to as many as you want like with uh, graduate schemes um, and alongside that you can still do your usual UCAS application process and apply for universities. Compared to a traditional degree what are the differences in costs? I think the, the first thing that's really clear about degree apprenticeships is the funding is not from the individual student so your um, e employer is paying into the apprenticeship levy and that usually funds your course so from an individual perspective you're not paying for that learning as you would be if you were doing a traditional full-time university degree. What are the funding considerations would you say Helen? Well the apprenticeships allow you to earn while you're learning and that's a key difference so it's not just your fees that are covered you also have a salary and income associated with that so it, it's very important from a cost of living perspective. Um, the funding depends on where you are in the country in terms of the experience that you have um, and the engagement in a workplace. Those aspects of it, the experience that you have as an apprentice will be the same wherever you are uh, across the UK. This funding mechanism with which the employer manages that process is different but that's for your employer to deal with right you don't need to worry about that as an apprentice when you take the the contract that you have for the role in the apprenticeship that you're undertaking that's one of the responsibilities that your employer takes on to manage all of those aspects so no bill good you just get paid will you always be earning while you're studying like how how does it work it's not like you just get paid when you're working and then we've got a big study study bit, you're not getting any money coming in. How, how does that work, Isa? The way it worked for us was uh, our initial eight weeks, um, we had a training period. Um, so we had like a base salary. And then once we finished that, which everyone did, um, they bumped us up to our actual salary. Great. Whilst you're at uni, you still get 20 days study leave paid, 25 days annual leave paid, sick leave, all the kind of benefits you'd usually get. Um, if you're traveling to client sites or if you have to travel to uni, that's all paid for. Um, if you have to go to uni, you're given accommodation or paid for. Um, your food expenses are covered whilst you're at uni or if you're at a client site for work. So um, basically everything's kind of... Do you think the on-the-job experience and gaining those skills is giving you a head start with your career? Yeah, definitely. I think that, that was my kind of fundamental reason for going towards this path. You're, you're earning from day one. Um, everything's paid for and basically from day one for four and a half years um, you're gaining all that experience and then by the time you graduate you can find people often in like lead developer positions or um, managing their own projects um, so definitely your your prospects can be quite good also throughout the whole apprenticeship it's not like you're just on the same salary you obviously have the whole paying progression model so Varying company to company, I'm sure. Um, you could, for us, we get um, 
I think uh, twice a year we get pay reviews and usually it goes up about um, at least 10%. How do degree apprenticeships differ in England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland? Are there lots of opportunities across all four nations? Yes, there are. There are the same style of learning, the same employment opportunities. There are differences in terms of the standards which define what it is that you are engaged in studying on within an apprenticeship. Um, So you'll see the standards in England, there's a huge range of them, lots of different roles. There aren't quite as many in Scotland, um, but again, you can look at those and look at the knowledge, skills and behaviours that are inherent in those and study right across the UK. Mm -hmm. And and many employers are UK wide. Yeah, and I think there are uh, lots of employers that will have opportunities locally, even with small employers. You might find that there are uh, small organisations that are offering apprenticeships local to you. But particularly if you look at large employers, I'm employed by the civil service and we employ over 18,500 apprenticeships every year Mm -hmm. and they're based throughout the UK. So so lots of opportunity in terms of around the regions. That's great. Are you selecting a specific career by deciding to do a degree apprenticeship? Not really. I guess you enter a certain sector when you enter the world of work. So for example, for me, I've entered the world of tech working for Capgemini. Um, but I started off as a software engineer. I was doing kind of development work, um, production support, testing work in my initial roles. Recently, I've moved over to the BE track. So that's a business analyst track and that's as part of the degree. Um, but actually from a role perspective, um, I've moved to tech sales. So you can see I've kind of had a complete shift in both what I'm studying and also in my actual career as well. Okay. So you can change your mind. Yeah. There's, I think, um, especially within tech, there's a lot of flexibility in terms of, um, what different roles you can do. Why did you decide to switch to a different role? For me, I didn't have any prior coding experience. Um, I think I did an IT GCSE, but my A-levels were like maths, politics, history. Um, I was really interested in tech, but after doing about a year and a bit of development, um, I just thought it's not really for me long-term. Um, I thought when I'd spoken to people on the commercial side, um, especially on the tech sales side, um, what the kind of work they were doing interested me a lot more. Um, and I would have been happy to um, stay on the software engineering path. I can definitely see the merits of it. But um, I kind of just chose what seemed more suited to my skill set, I guess. And was that easy to do, or did you feel a bit like, oh, I want to, I want to stick with what I started with? <laughs> I've started it, so I'll finish. Or, or did you feel really like it was an environment where you could change your mind? It, it was difficult at the start, but I think once I spoke to the right people about the move, um, then I kind of had support because um, you know they saw what skills I had. It's kind of like. The way it worked was almost like applying for a new job internally. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I had another interview uh, internally. It wasn't like through the whole recruitment process again, um, but it was also no pressure that, you know, if I didn't get that role, I could still stay on where I was. I also know I have the flexibility um, from the program perspective where you can just switch roles uh, at the set period. So this is kind of more of an informal switch that I've done. Yeah. But you do have kind of set track periods, like when I moved from uh, software engineering path to BA path, um, that's a typical time where people would move from a software engineering role to a functional consultant role in general. Okay, yeah. And I think that's something that people probably just realise when they get into the working world. You might be like, oh, I'm really interested in this career. 
And then you get into it and you're like, well, actually, maybe that role's better t- suited to my personality or to my skill set. So I think that's just something that's going to organically happen throughout life, isn't it? Whatever route you go down. And now there are a lot of transferable skills that people often find. Yeah, absolutely. I think as you're working, you're learning and gaining all of those different transferable skills. As Issa just mentioned, even if you're choosing one particular sector or profession, there could be a whole host of opportunities within that. So I support apprentices across the government commercial function. They're involved in commercial procurement and supply. But once they're qualified and they're, um, they've developed their skills as a commercial professional, they could be looking at purchasing to support the building of new schools. They could be working on satellite communication systems or carbon capture um, innovation as well. So the breadth of things, even within one particular sector or career path, is huge. And you are taking on those skills. You might be dealing with projects, for example, and building your project management skills, which are transferable across a whole host of different opportunities so it's not like you're choosing to do that degree apprenticeship and it's like right this is my future job role set in stone there's there's movement there what kind of support do you get on a degree apprenticeship so from an employer perspective i've got my line manager i have a reviewer who um, i meet with every week um, and he basically goes through you know what i'm doing Um, i feedback in terms of how i'm performing at work and you know he gives me tips in terms of how I can perform better. Um, I also have a mentor. Um, from a university's perspective, I have obviously all my lecturers um, and I also have um, a skills coach. Um, so especially for the first year, we have, uh, there's a lot of emphasis on like coaching. Same with the university and same with um, your employer. It's kind of what you want to um, make the most of. That sounds like a lot of support because you've got all the support that the university offers and then also the company that you're working for, haven't you? Yeah. How does that differ, would you say, Helen, with a traditional degree? Well, for a, with a traditional degree, you have all of the university support that's provided, but you don't have that employer dimension. So you don't have the professional network. And also the responsibilities your employer has responsibilities for you as an employee. Um, and there is support associated with that. So... Um, that's something that is a real strength of apprenticeship study is that you have both your employer and the university there to support you um, and to develop you within your community. And one of the key elements as a provider of apprenticeship degrees is safeguarding. So safeguarding is incredibly important, uh, particularly you know in, in the context of young people studying. Um, so the provider will work with the employer directly around safeguarding issues to ensure the well-being and that apprentices thrive when they're engaged in both their work and their study. That's really good. It sounds like it, it's really supportive. There's a lot of people that you can turn to there depending on what you're going through. Um, Mel, some people might be a little bit worried like they're going into the working world and they're training on the job about making mistakes. Talk to us a little bit about that. Is that something that people should be worried about? What would happen if they made a mistake while they were on the job? I think it's perfectly natural to be worried about making mistakes. I I think um, we all do that throughout our entire lives. Of course. Um, I think the first thing to say on that, though, for apprentices particularly, is um, you will make mistakes. (laughs) Um, And that's okay. It's perfectly forgivable to do that. I always think back, and this is many years ago, but I always think back to an example where one of my first jobs was working in payroll. And um, I just moved into the job. I was quite new to it. I ended up having some responsibility covering absence and I paid people wrong. And that's a huge mistake. Too much or too little? Uh, too little. <laughs> Which yeah. is a, 
I don't know which is worse, actually, because if it's too much and you have to give it back, then, you know. Yeah, you're either upsetting the employees. Yeah, either way, not either, not great. Either way, it's not a good mistake to make. Um, and I think the thing is that, that even now I look back, that's probably 20 years ago, and it was one of the things that I learned the most from in my early career because I learned that I had to put my hand up and say, oh my goodness, I think I've made this mistake. How do we fix it? What do we do? And I worked with my manager who supported me to say, what's happened? What do we need to do to make it right? What steps do we take? And we went through that process together. And I think the biggest thing that you can think if you do make a mistake is is see it as a learning process and think about what you would take from it to do differently next time. I think it's, it's natural. I'm sure if you spoke to so many people, they'd all have examples of times that they've made a mistake but you move on from it you learn from it and um and it's not always a bad thing he said made any big mistakes yet uh yeah a few <laughs> i think that's i think that's the beauty of your friendship <laughs> i'm just learning i don't know all the employers that are offering those programs are putting a huge amount of investment into bringing those people into the workforce to develop their talent pipelines they're hugely invested in it and they want you to do well so they're there to support you to do that and they want you to grow and learn so they're on your side yeah exactly <laughs> it, it's almost that thing isn't it of the big bad boss when you think you go into the workplace and, and genuinely it's not like that they do really really want you to do well as well of course like you say they're invested in you they want you to become this brilliant employer that will hopefully stay with them and and you know if, if they're able to keep you and work with them for years so what is the application process actually like and how can you stand out if you really want to get a place so an apprenticeship is just like any other job so it's posted as a job role and you will have um usually lots of information about what that job role is and what you will be expected to do once in that job and then also there'll be information about what they're looking for in the person as well so lots of requirements and i think it's really important that you read through all those requirements and look exactly what that employer is looking for and then in terms of standing out um you know we're not naive to not know that apprentices are probably applying for lots of different job roles but my advice would be to just think about where you channel your energy when you're applying for lots of jobs tailoring your application and pulling out bits of your experience that are really relevant to what that employer is asking for is what will make you stand out. My advice would really be actually just make sure you take the time yeah. to individually change your application. Employers sure are going to notice those things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How does that process differ to applying for a university degree then? You're applying to become an employee first. So in a university, for quite often on particular programmes, it can be very competitive entry and you'll find that your academic qualifications are one of the key aspects that universities consider. And if it's a very popular course, then the standard of, of academic qualification that's required can be very high. Yeah. Not because you need to be at that level to thrive on that course, but because it's competitive entry and you're yeah. competing against others. As a university we would give to our employers what we think is the academic requirements to be undertaking the course. We are not putting competitive entry on top of that. So you might not see it at the same academic level, but it's not because it's in any way less academically than the full-time course on campus. It's because of competitive entry. So it's really important that you've got to fulfil the academic qualifications because we need to make sure, for example, if you're doing engineering, that you have the maths level that's going to mean that you can cope well and that you will flourish when you're undertaking your apprenticeships. What skills and personal qualities are employers looking for in these applications then? 
I think it really varies depending on the role. So um, across the civil service, there's a vast array of different apprenticeship opportunities and the types of skills for each of those will be different. And so for each job role, it will explain what is what's been looked for within that particular role. But some of the things might be things such as um, working together, for example. That's one of the civil service behaviours that shows itself in, in lots of different job roles across um, my employer. Um, and I think the key thing is, and Helen just touched on it there, is around um, actually, if that is the requirement, it's not about your academic skills, it's about being able to give examples of where you've demonstrated particular skills. If I take working together, for example, you might think, oh my goodness, I've never had a job before. I've not worked in a team. How do I fill in this application and talk about how I'm going to work with my colleagues when I've never done that? Um, and I think it's just about thinking about your transferable skills. So you might not have had a job role before, but you might have had a, a team environment, perhaps a sports team, or you might have worked together on a presentation at school or college where you've worked together as a team to deliver an outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just important to think about where you can draw those experiences from and to make sure that you've got great examples that can articulate the, the skills that you've got. Everybody is good at something. So you might not quite know what it is yet. Try and have a think about the lessons that you did at school or college where the time went really quickly because you were enjoying yourself so much or the things that your friends or family come to you for because you're great at it. Those are the things that are your inbuilt strengths and somewhere in life you'll have just demonstrated them. So take those and put those in your job applications and make sure you're choosing roles that really play to the strengths that you've got. What do you think people should be putting in those applications, Issa? Have you got any tips from when you did yours? Because it obviously worked for you. I'd say just as like a tip, um, it would be try to be as original as possible. Um, that will really help you to stand out. Even with tech roles, they're not looking for just a robot that knows how to code. They're looking for people that are representing their business. So any type of soft skills, showing emotional intelligence, showing your people skills um, are a key focus, I think. So you don't have to have experience directly in that field that you're going into then? No, I'd say definitely not. As long as you can give good examples of your behaviours and how you tackle problems or, or as it, whatever is in the job description, as long as you've got some good examples, even if they're not from working life, they're all really relevant if they can show that employer what you can do. Great. I think employees, employers are aware that obviously uh, most candidates are just coming out of school, right? So... You know, they're not expecting a qualified software engineer. Yeah. <laughs> so when people are applying for a traditional university degree, they can apply for up to five. Is there a certain amount of apprenticeships you should apply for? Um, I guess just from personal experience and as a tip, you should probably apply for as many as you can handle um, if you want to increase your chances because it is a very competitive process. Um, you know, if you get the first one, then great, it's, it is possible. Um, and you wouldn't have to then apply for more. But from experience, I did about five or six um, before I got accepted into two different ones. Um, I know people that have applied for, you know, up to 10 to even 20 apprenticeships, if you can find that many. The actual application process is quite similar across the board. So it can be very good practice. Um, I found that it was kind of similar format in terms of you'd have initial application, maybe some situational psychometric tests, that sort of thing. Um, the digital interviews, that's kind of pre-recorded questions. And then the final stage would always be an assessment center in person or um, even virtual now as well. 
Um, so yeah, same process. I think if you get comfortable with that whole application process, um, it will be a lot easier when you're applying to the next one um, because they're looking for very similar things and you just get more comfortable with engineering yeah. in general and becoming more confident with the same sort of questions. Great, great tips. Thank you so much, guys. So there we have it. Does a degree apprenticeship sound like it could be for you? A huge thank you to our experts, Helen, Melanie and Issa, helping us find out more and giving us those insider tips. Don't miss the next day episodes where we dive deeper into some of the industries offering degree apprenticeships and find out how you can land a place of your own. Whether it's science, engineering, law or creative and design, you can get more of an idea of what your days would look like, what it takes to be a degree apprentice and what you can do to stand out in that all-impulsive application. Hi, Sam from UCAS here. While that episode was packed with great info and insight about apprenticeships, and if you're thinking about an apprenticeship, here are my top tips of what to do next. Firstly, remember you can apply to both university and college courses and apprenticeships. So why wouldn't you? Keep your options open, do your research and make those applications. If you've started a university and college application, your grades, your experiences, the skills you might have referenced in your personal statement can all be used to help you write your CV. Just remember when you're listing those skills to make sure you've got examples to demonstrate how you can actually use them, particularly if you get an interview. Look at lots of vacancies for job descriptions so you know the kinds of tasks and responsibilities that you're going to need to do. And be sure to put as much research as possible into the employer. It's really important you know the sort of environment you're going to be working in. You need to tailor your covering letters and your CVs, and this will help you show your enthusiasm, particularly at interview. Check out Career Finder for our vacancies, but also look at local job sites, LinkedIn, socials. There'll be some fantastic opportunities available in your local and regional areas. It's not just corporate companies that offer apprenticeships. And remember, not everyone is going to call it a higher or a degree apprenticeship. Some will just refer to the levels. So keep your eyes peeled for level four to level seven apprenticeship. Level four is the equivalent to the first year of university and a level seven is the equivalent to a master's. Be sure to ask your employer if there's the opportunity though to move up through the levels if you'd like to work towards a full degree. Don't forget, you can find out about other industries with Katie by heading to ucas.com, YouTube, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform.